Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. Good morning again, church family. Just thinking to sit there and to sing together uh, with our family, with our friends, as a, as a church body, freely, with no threat, and now to study and, and to preach the word and celebrate who God is. I think just with no threat, I, I would just love to say with, with unspeakable words and, 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 a, and a, with a depth of gratitude, just thank you again and again and again to our veterans. I know that was celebrated on Thursday, but as a church, we humbly salute you and give God great thanks uh, for all of you both here and out there for just the freedom that we have to worship him. Amen. Um, well, we are going to be in Hebrews chapter 13 today. If you would like to go ahead and turn, turn there to Hebrews chapter 13. And as you, uh, as you turn there, I want to stir your mind with something that God said to Abraham from the very beginning. And the slide's not up, up here, by the way. And, and, and so I want you to go all the way back and for just a moment to, in your mind to Genesis chapter 12 and just hear God say those words again to Abraham. Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Well, there it is. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. But in you and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now stand there for just a moment in, in um, Abraham's shoes and think. He couldn't see the nation. He was just one man with, with one wife and they had no children. He couldn't see the nation. But God's saying, I want you to imagine the nation. But you know what else he couldn't see? He couldn't see the families that would be blessed through that nation that would one day celebrate a savior who would come through that nation. So he had, he had to just trust that God's, God's going to keep his word on this one. So today as a church, think about this. We get to look and we can see a nation. We can see the history of the nation. We can acknowledge the nations on the map and we can celebrate our savior came through the nation. But today we're one of those families that have been blessed through what God said so, so, so long ago. Now, let's put this together. Before Jesus ascended back to heaven after his resurrection, he has, we have this real familiar verse in, in Acts chapter 1. And it's, it's Jesus looking at his disciples and he, and he, and he tells them, look, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, which is still in Israel, in Judea, which is still in Israel, in Samaria, which is still in Israel. But then Jesus said this, and to the ends of the earth. So it was always God's plan for a nation to be the very thing, that had, to be a people that had a relationship with their God that would be the attraction for families of other nations to come in and to know God because they could see Israel's relationship with God. And from the time of Jesus, Acts 1-8, until now, that nation has been replaced with a people that's now called the church. And, it is, it's, and it's always been, from then until now, God's big idea for 
other people, other families to look in at you and to look in at me and to see our relationships with God and with one another and say, I, I, want, I, I, want, I want in on that. That's, it's, it's stirring my curiosity. So, so here's what I'm asking you to do as we, as we continue to start this morning. And we're reminded that the recipients of the book of Hebrews were about to abort that mission. See why this is a big deal? They were about to go back to the old covenant and the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, 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 you're a part of a much bigger people group now, a, a, a people group that God still wants to reach all the families of the earth with and through. It's the church. Don't go back to the old covenant. You will miss everything. You will abort the mission. So here's what I'm asking you to do as we start. I want you to see that person. See a person that you've never met. They're out there. It's a family that's, never, that's, that's gonna move to Graham County in a month or in a year. They just don't know it yet and we don't know it either. See a person that's, that's out there that's seeking and, and searching and, 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 and maybe they're looking for God and but will one day end up beside you or beside me or back here over there. See, see that teenage girl that's kind of down on life and, and is wondering what's the point of life anyway. And all of a sudden you invite her to, to youth group one night. She starts coming to youth group on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And all of a sudden she's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of something. That's, I don't really get it all, but, but I want to keep coming back. I like this atmosphere. It's, it's, it's impacting the way that I think. See a family that maybe, maybe he just lost his job or she just, she just inherited land or bought land in Graham County. See a family that's out there somewhere, but will one day be sitting next month or next year right here. See their children up in Kids for Christ and then eventually moving up into the youth group and, and, and see yourself and, and myself making memories with a family that we haven't ever met yet. But they're going to run into you this week at school or they're going to run into to you next week in the middle of town. And they're going to say, hey, hey, um, you, you got a church anywhere around here? We're, we're, we're kind of, we moved here a month or two ago and we're kind of getting settled in. We're starting to look. And you just say in the most friendly way, you just do your thing. You're like, yeah, come on, let's go. But see, what, 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 we're, what we want to do is to see God continuing to fulfill his mission through the church, us today, just like Jesus said in Acts 1-8. And here's why this is so important. We're about to read six verses in Hebrews 13. And it can look like just a, a to-do list. It can look like, a hey, you need to do this and you need to make sure you do this. And, and this is what church is supposed to do. And this is what you should do. If you, I mean, if you're going to be a church person, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, this is what you should, this is what you should do. But we, got, we have to see it through the lens of Jesus. If we're looking to Jesus, which is what that first slide said, which is what Hebrews 12 started out saying, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of our faith, and we're hearing the words of Jesus, I want you to be witnesses to me everywhere in Israel, but to the ends of the earth. And here we are, and we're saying, okay, okay, this is much bigger than just a to-do list. This, this, these six verses are about to tell us, here's an atmosphere, that God wants cultivated, an atmosphere that's very attractive and inviting to the teenager, to the child, to the family of three or the family of none, to the single man, to the single woman, to the one that's broken, to the one that's hurting, to the one that's looking. Here's an atmosphere 
that God says, I have a freedom to work through to bring people in so that they know me. So it's here kind of with this big idea in mind that I would love to invite you in Hebrews chapter 13 to please stand with me in reverence and honor for the reading of God's holy, inerrant, inspired, infallible word. Hebrews 13 verse one says, let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Let's pray. Father, We just pause for a moment and we want to think like you and see like you and look at this text through your eyes and with your love. And so we know that your Holy Spirit can guide us into all truth and he can empower us to love. And so we ask that he would have the freedom to move in our hearts and move in our minds the word that you have spoken to help us to be the people that are attractive to the people that you're trying to meet and reach and save and bless Give us that mindset for a few moments right now as we study, Lord. We pray your blessing on the people here and tuning in today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here's here's what makes this a little more weighty. Here's kind of what gives this another to it. You can tell that was very different than the last couple of sermons and things that we've read in Hebrews 12. And so... What's so fun about studying and and preaching expositorily is is instead of just opening up to Hebrews 13 and just starting with that list and being like, well, if you want to be a good Christian, that's what you need to do. That's what we need to do here. We, We get to come into Hebrews 13 in light of all that we've studied in chapter 10, 11, and 12, but especially chapter 12 and some of those really challenging things that that chapter 12 has spoken to us. Some of those things that kind of get your attention. You ever had one of those moments in life where you were maybe almost got in a car accident or you almost slipped and fell 20 feet and you grabbed a hold of something or you hit your brakes just in time and you're like, whoo, that was a close one. You know, those are kind of eye-opening moments, right? Well, in, in a lot of ways, you might could say chapter 12 was the Holy Spirit and the author reaching back into the Old Testament to try to really get the, get the attention of the Jewish believers that were reading this epistle when it was first written to really say, whoa, 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 you need a kind of a wake-up call, shake-you-up moment because if you abort this mission, you abort the greatest purpose for your life, if you go back, if you leave the church, if you go back to the law, if you kind of just say, I don't really care, I'm I'm, going to kind of go back. And so think about this. When we go back and look at the last two verses of Ben's sermon last week, verses 28 and 29 of Hebrews 12, which says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, 
let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. And then just like that, it says, hey, let brotherly love continue. You know, you kind of, you feel the shift, but let's, let's pause and let's, let's re-bottle that up from, from last week. God is saying, hey, you, you've obtained grace. And a lot of people will say, oh, you just teach grace and you just tell people to get saved and go do whatever they want to. And we're like, oh, let's just read the Bible together. We're actually saying grace frees us to serve God in an acceptable way. In, in other words, God's grace is meant to be so captivating and, 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 and stir our affection so that we respond and we look at chapter 13, verses one through six, and we're like, no, that's not a duty. No, that's not a, you don't have to twist my arm and, and say, this is what a good Christian or a good church is supposed to do. That's not something you need to try to scare me into. We get to look at it and be like, wow, we get to be a part of the greater mission. And, that's, and this is what it looks like. This is the atmosphere that we're trying to cultivate. Man, wow, grace frees us to know what God says is acceptable so that we can reverence him and have godly fear that, that, that helps protect us from going back into foolishness, maybe in my former life or your former life or Esau's life. And, and so, wow, what a privilege and honor it is to know what really matters to God. And so another word for acceptable is well-pleasing. So I want you to think about that word acceptable for just a second. We'll put all this together. In verse 24 of Hebrews 12, Abel was brought up. And you remember the blood of Christ speaks better things than Abel. And, and, and you remember why was Abel's blood crying out? Because Cain had murdered him. Well, why had Cain murdered him? Because Cain made a sacrifice, Abel made a sacrifice, and God said, I accept Abel's sacrifice, Cain. I don't accept your sacrifice. In other words, God had a standard for the sacrifice and, and, and Cain kind of just did his thing, didn't have faith in it and, 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 and God didn't accept it and Cain got angry and Cain killed Abel. Now think why, why having a standard is so important. If someone was gonna come work on a roof leak at your house, would you want them to have a standard that was acceptable? Or, you know, they just come over there and throw a few shingles on, put a little tar on, it's, it's, it's good. If, if someone, if a doctor is going to do surgery on, on, on you, you want him to have an acceptable standard that he's going to perform this on rather than just, ah, that looks like enough stuff to knock him out. Let's go to work. Now, you, we love standards. And God is saying, I have a standard that is acceptable. And, and God puts it, where he puts it because he knows if, if, if the standard, if we aim at that standard, people are gonna be attracted to him through your lives. But if we kind of just, ah, marriage is no big deal, do you think? It's no different than dating, really. Well, you know, um, friendships, you know, I mean, you be friends with somebody that can do stuff for you. And if they don't, just go on, find different friends. If, if God lowered the standard, how, how unattractive would he be to people that don't know him. Okay, so let's go back through Hebrews 13 now and let's, let's look at it with this, with, this, with this lens that says, God is well pleased when we, the church, 
are cultivating this, this church atmosphere that others are being invited into. So let's start with this, this, this word in verse one, phileo, which or really the word is Philadelphia. It's, it's the, that, the city of brotherly love, right? God is well pleased with this, with this kind of love. It's, he says, let brotherly love continue. Well, what's neat about this church that was first receiving this letter is in chapter six, they were already being commended for the way the author, whoever he was, maybe Barnabas, so it doesn't really matter, but whoever he was, he had observed, they have a very friendly phileo affection for one another. And in chapter six of Hebrews, the author said, look, you guys are, keep that up. You're gonna be rewarded for it. God is well pleased when you guys are going out of your way to love and serve and to bless and encourage each other. Don't abort this mission. Keep it up. And so here's, here's kind of the catch. Many of us, if I said, hey, what were your friendships like growing up? We might toss that word friendships around pretty easily. Like, yeah, I used to go to so-and-so's house and stay on that with him or her on the weekend. And we'd go to each other's birthday parties. We'd go to Dollywood together or whatever you might say that. But here, here's the thing. Friendships that aren't centered around Christ will always be limited. Friendships that are just, we know each other, we have a lot of things in common, and we love to hang out, and we laugh, and we cut up. Well, that's, that's, that's okay, but they're always going to be limited. What verse 1 is saying is God loves it when the church environment is cultivating a friendship where everyone's deepest desire is to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. And what happens is because Jesus becomes the center of that friendship, the way we interact with each other is very differently. Even if we don't have anything in common, we are sharpening one another. There's a freedom to talk to each other about real things. Hey, I'm having a bad day. Oh, hey, can I, can I pray with you? Can we sit down and talk about it? Can I hear you out? It's a much different friendship. And so he's saying, don't abort this friendship. And in, in, in fact, let's look to Jesus. Think about Jesus's friends for just a second. He had, he had a bunch of scraggly, rough fishermen. Now, what's a rabbi doing hanging out with a bunch of fishermen that are smelly and working all night and, and they're just rough, tough guys? One of which will say, Peter often interrupted Jesus and often said the craziest things that made no sense. Now, if your friend, from a worldly point of view, is always interrupting you and saying things that's, that's kind of getting on your nerves, eventually you're going to, I'm going to go hang out with this group. You're annoying me. He, so, so he, he friended people that were annoying. You remember James and John after they were coming out of Samaria and, and the people run him off? <clears throat> Jesus, you want, us to, um, you want us to call down fire from heaven and just burn them up? And I mean, I mean so that, that's your friends, Jesus. James and John, sons of thunder. And Jesus is like, you, you, you don't know what spirit you're in. Uh, the son of man didn't come to destroy, but to save. So there was a freedom to be confrontational with those friends. Think about Matthew, the tax collector, a friend of Jesus. Everywhere you go, everyone knows, I paid my taxes at some point to him. He's with you guys. You, you, you're, you, it's kind of like, he comes to church with y'all. She really, she, she needs to be in church, you know, kind of that, that attitude. And just imagine how unattractive that would be whenever 
you come into a religious arena and there's Matthew the tax collector hanging out with you and the religious guys are like, that's why they accused him of being a friend with sinners and tax collectors. Imagine Mary Magdalene in Jesus' circle of friends, a, a woman who formerly had seven demons in her. Imagine her reputation amongst the men and amongst the people in that day. But Jesus has no problem saying, she's my friend. We're friends. We're, so here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine this person up on the stage. Actually, not on the stage, but we'll just use a chair to imagine the person. Here's a person that one day, a month, a year, five years from now, might be sitting in the pew right beside you. And, and, and then two or three or four years from now, this person's testimony would be something like this. I had no friends until you welcomed me in. I, I, I was lost and hurting and I felt rejected by everyone I tried to hang out with, but you invited me to women's ministry and I sat there that night and, and, and God spoke to me. I had no friends. And suddenly I found myself in a youth group. And suddenly I found myself hanging out with those guys and those girls at school. And suddenly I found myself setting different standards for my life. Because I made new friends. Imagine that family that come from some rough part of the country or a city that, that never could let their kids go out of their yard and they come in here and they sit here with three or four or five kids and they're like, and then we moved here. And then she invited me and he invited me and they were so friendly. I couldn't just, oh sure, I'll come to church with you sometime. And, and, then, and then two or three or five years later, this whole family's like, we love our church family. My kids wake up and they can't wait to go to Kids for Christ or they can't wait. They love it. So now verse one is a little different. Let brotherly love go out of your way to speak to each other, to ask each other, how's your week going? How's, your, how's things going? Man, Cody, you kicked so great Friday night. It was, it was so fun to watch you. Go, go out of your way to say, hey, how's work going? How's, how's everything that's happening in our country right now affecting you? Is there any way I can pray for you? Go out of your way. Because that's what friends do. That's what Christ-centered phileo love does. And, and, and there's this bigger picture in mind where God says, People notice that because we live in a world that's self-centered. And if you don't have something that will benefit me, I don't really want to be your friend because it's not helping me. But the church is saying, we, we will be your friends. Well, let's go on to the next verse, verse 2. I'm going to alliterate the letter P here if you're a note taker, but I don't expect you to memorize this. It's just trying to make it fun. God is well pleased with a People I have never met kind of love happening in the church. Look at what the verse says. Don't forget, do not forget to entertain strangers. Now, granted, we're, we're trusting parents would speak wisdom into, their, into the, uh, the ears of their children and, and the whole strangers kind of thing, but you, you get the idea. God is well pleased when we are cultivating an atmosphere that's hospitable, welcoming, and inviting to a people I have never met kind of love is, is happening. So people come in, and, and many of you aren't from here, you know this. And those of us that are from here, you, you know this too. We tend to live in a culture that kind of says this, if you ain't like us, go do your thing. But don't come here. 
and try to change our hunting laws and our fishing laws and our, you know, all, all the other stuff. Don't, don't come here and, and tell me I can't put hunt behind your, your house in, anymore for, for squirrels or, 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 or whatever, understandable. But we live in a culture sometimes that works so hard to preserve the culture that it pushes away the stranger. And Jesus is like, I'm trying to save the stranger. I want the stranger to know me. Get over it. And so when the atmosphere of the church is like, come as you are. Yeah, you talk funny. You dress a little different. That doesn't matter because our focus here is, is to welcome and be hospitable. In fact, you might say, and, and many of you have experienced this, it's so cool to know that this is happening because some of you have told me this. I, I came one or two times and so-and-so said, hey, can we get about to of lunch is sweet. I came one or two or three or four times and somebody then said, hey, we'd love to have you over at our house one night for supper. I came, I came a few times and all of a sudden somebody said, hey, my life group meets on Monday. Somebody said, hey, mine meets on Tuesday. Three, th- three of you meet on Thursday. And somebody said, hey, we'd love to have you come to our life group and it's at our house and, and sit and, and, and study the word and drink coffee and pray and get to know each other. And all of a sudden, Two or three or four or five years from now, that stranger, that person that you didn't know and that I didn't know is all of a sudden saying, wow, they just welcomed me in. And now I'm getting to be a part of that atmosphere. And it's, it's so fascinating in verse two. This is just, this, this should be encouraging. This should be, this should be so encouraging that even if you're a kind of a person that you, it's your personality, you don't talk to strangers. You don't talk to anybody at the grocery store. And some of us that are kind of more the yellow color from the Sunday school class, we're like, I'm going to talk to everybody. But, but look, look, it doesn't, let, it doesn't let our personality, our temperament, or our schedule get in the way. Look at verse 2 all the way. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Now look, this is written in the New Testament. And, and of course, the author has in mind stories of the Old Testament the three guys, two angels, and one, of course, the pre-incarnate Jesus that showed up to Abraham. He didn't know who they were at first. And, and, and lots of stories in the Old Testament, but it's written in the New Testament to say, hey, don't think for a second that that person, that stranger, was a messenger. It's in the Bible, sent to you. And, and, and because you had the, the people I've never met kind of love and you talked to them, God spoke through them in some way and encouraged you. Don't think for, faith tells us that can still happen. Everybody's like, I'm gonna go talk to 10 strangers today. But look, what come to my mind when thinking about this is our Easter text, the road to Emmaus. You remember how intentional Jesus was on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection, walking with two disciples he'd been with for two or three years. You know, he had the first century hoodie going, and, 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 but whatever, they didn't recognize him, and they walked seven miles. And then, remember what happened? He was going to go on a little further, and they said, stay. Hey, come, come and have supper with us. Come, come and sit down and break bread with us. And because they were hospitable, because they were welcoming to a stranger that they didn't know was Jesus, they had the whole breaking the bread. Oh my goodness, that's him. Whoosh, and he vanishes kind of moment. But really think of this. God has intentionally put in this text, I want my church people 
to, to hold a standard and I accept a standard that's so high that they have a people I've never met kind of love and strangers and foreigners and people that don't dress like them, look like them, talk like them are welcomed in so that I through them can speak to them. Wow. Look, could I just tell you if, if, uh, if this stirs, if this pulls on your heartstrings, we've actually had two Sunday school classes um, a couple different times about uh, about this, this subject, and I can't find it in my notes, but it's called The Key to the Gospel. The Gospel comes with a house, the gospel comes with a house key, and then how to, simple, the simplest way to change the world. And, and, and so what's fun is, is we've, we've had those Sunday school classes, and a lot of you have read those books, but they're very practical ways to teach us as a church how to cultivate this atmosphere. There it is, right in front of me. Thank you. And so check those out if you want to. Let's go to number three, third verse. God is well pleased when we as a church are cultivating an atmosphere that's a put yourself in their shoes kind of love. Verse three says, remember the prisoners as if chained with them. If you like to write in your Bible, you just put a huge highlight circle slash underline something around as if. As if. This text is teaching us so much that what love does, the way love has compassion and sympathizes with others is to consider myself in their shoes. How differently would my life be today if my life was in his or her shoes? And then it moves us to, to pray or to write a letter or to encourage them. And of course, in verse three, specifically, the text is talking about those that are being imprisoned for the faith. Now, one of those people was, again, the author of the letter, who in chapter 10 said that you ministered to me and your stuff was plundered. Your stuff was plundered because of the way you ministered to me. And he says, don't stop doing that. Don't stop doing that because it, was, it, 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 changed, it, it impacted his life. So I want to think about this. When we look at Jesus for a moment and you think about him on the cross, now, Jesus was on the cross by his own will, right? He willingly, he could have called a legion of angels any moment, but on his left and on his right were two men that were, in, in a sense, prisoners until death, right? They were two thieves, or, 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 and they were held there against their will. And think about this. One thief said to Jesus, after the other one was mocking him, Lord, remember me. Remember me when you enter into your, your kingdom or your, or your glory. Remember and, and Jesus looks over and says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. In other words, I, I started remembering you right then when you put faith in me. Jesus shows us as we look to Jesus how to remember and think about those that are suffering because of the faith. And now, it's, we understand that in America, this isn't something that would be commonly on our minds unless you're reading stuff that's happening overseas and in other countries. But one of the neatest ways that you can do this is, is whenever you pray or whenever you pray with, your, with your, maybe your children at night or, 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 or whatever, but to occasionally mention, and we love to do this with our boys. Buddy, you understand that the gospel that we just thank God for and we just kind of talked about, there are people right now being mistreated because they love Jesus more than this world. There are people right now that are locked up, hurting and suffering and many that are even that are dying because this world is not enough. 
Jesus is enough, and they're clinging to him. And it just kind of adds another little oomph to, to, to our day and maybe the, the boldness that we, that God's in wanting us to have with our faith. And, and so, you know, I, I'd like to do just, can we just pause for just a moment as a church? I'm thinking about those, the, all the pastors in Canada that have been arrested this year simply because they refuse to stop having church, which is a biblical command. Let's just pause for a moment and let's just pray for people today that are suffering. Heavenly Father, we, just, we look at this text and for a moment we want to remember those who aren't in our shoes and we want to remember as if we were in their shoes, separated from family, separated from friends, mistreated, abandoned, not knowing if what tomorrow or next week or next month will hold and if there will even be a next month or next week. Let us pause for a moment, Lord, and just pray, knowing that you know all of them, that you would strengthen their faith and that you would comfort them, that you would speak to them. And maybe one day in heaven, we will find out, hey, that church prayed for me. Father, we ask that their testimony would only further the gospel. And we pray this today in Jesus' name, amen. And isn't it neat to think that one day we could meet someone in heaven and they said, hey, you prayed for me on earth and God spoke and moved through the power of your prayers for me because I was about to give up or I was discouraged. Look, if you are interested more in how God works through the suffering and the persecution of people for the faith, I couldn't tell you enough to read The Insanity of God. The title sounds kind of odd. I'll let somebody borrow it. I don't know who, who I was going to bring it. It's, it's an incredible book. It's called The Insanity of God that will tell you and it will, it will widen your faith in how God is working in third world countries that hate Jesus and hate the gospel to further his name and further the gospel. Let's go on to the next verse. God is well pleased when the church atmosphere is cultivating a pure and intimate love. I'm gonna use the word intimate here in respect to parents and, and, and just the timing of what you teach your children and the words that you wanna to choose to teach them. But verse four says, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Now let's think about this. God wants us as a church to hold in high esteem his standard his standard of marriage. He ordained it in Genesis 2. He ordained it. He defined it. Marriage between one man and one woman. And after he blessed it, he told them, now go, go do the thing that I made and it's a good thing. Be fruitful, multiply. Go do your thing. And so he and he alone gets to define the standards in which the intimacy occurs. And he says, look, I want the church to hold that in high esteem. It's our prayer. That the love that men have for their wives and the respect that wives would have for husbands in this church each and every week would only be strengthened, encouraged, and, and would overflow into the children. But can I say this? Look at those last three words. God will judge. Now think about this. The church is meant to be a place where if people come in, 
that are participating in intimate activities outside of marriage, fornicators, or participating in intimate activities within marriage. And Jesus said, if you even th- entertain the thought, it's, it's adultery in your heart. We want, we want the church to entertain an atmosphere where people can come as they are and sit beside you and sit beside me and say, wow. They just welcomed me in. They just invited me and loved me as I was in my current situation. Because you know why? When we look to Jesus, which is what Hebrews 12 said to do, we're reminded of the way that he loved the woman of Samaria in John chapter 4. He just, he, he, he listened to her. He loved her. She had five husbands. And he said, look, what I want for you is everlasting water. Didn't condemn her. You go on to John chapter 8, you got the woman that's caught in the very act of adultery and somehow she got brought into the scene, but the man didn't. He got away free. How'd that happen? And so here's the only one that can throw rocks at her, who can judge her. And, 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 he, and he says, hey, where's your accusers? And then he invites her to walk out of darkness into the light. So as, as a church, we're saying, man, we want an atmosphere where people can come with their mistakes, their bad choices, their misconceptions, and their bad definitions and discover a love that's inviting them into something new and holy and special. Look, could I just say, if you could drive to the address 3505 Mount Vernon Baptist Church, Boone, North Carolina, 28607, you would come to a building full of people and the reason I have that address memorized is because my life changed at age 19 there because they were having before you get married classes and I sat there I was the person sitting there and I remember my mind being open I remember leaving saying oh my goodness I've had the wrong understanding of this my whole life but it changes today it ch- I'm holding a different standard now for myself I'm going to hold a different standard for who I'm going to marry. And it was in the church. And so God says, I love it when the atmosphere of the church can welcome the John 4 Samaritan girl, the John 8 girl, and they can come as they are and they can hear a different standard and they can be invited in and they can let me start the process of changing their understanding of love. Okay, man, I I just want to keep going and going and going. Got to go. Okay, number five. Last one. Verses five and six teach us God wants this atmosphere to be a place where, where we would say we're perfectly pleased with you, Jesus, kind of love. Look at, look at verse five. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Hard word to say. Be content with such things as you have. What do I have? For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Being content with what I have is because of who I have. He changes my relationship with my things. It's because I have him and you have him that we can all say, you are more than enough. I don't have to and you don't have to devote your life to being a victim to not having enough. Wanting more and straining yourself for more and more and more and seeing what everybody else is doing and has and saying, man, I wish it could be me. God frees us from that. In verse five, and he says, I want the church to cultivate this kind of love that says, I am perfectly pleased with you, Jesus. And it's you that I want to know. It's you that I want to be saturated with more of. And so isn't it neat 
that let's say the person could come in and maybe their whole life they have been enslaved. Their happiness and joy has, been, has, has, has controlled them by what they have or don't have. What if that person comes in and after being in fellowship with you for a period of time, it's your contentment with Jesus that helps this person to break free from being controlled by their stuff And one day they're testifying and they're sharing in life group how God changed them through your life. So when we get to verse six, we as a church get to boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What's he been helping us to do? He has been helping us to learn and cultivate a phileo love, a friendship love, a people I have never met love for strangers, a put yourself in their shoes kind of concerned burden love for people suffering for the faith, a pure and intimate love holding a high standard for marriage and intimacy, a perfectly pleased with you, Jesus. Kind of, he helps us. And so then we get to boldly say, you know what? I'm not gonna be afraid of what people are gonna say about me or do to me because we all know it or you know it again and again and again. When this is the devotion of our lives continually, people say you're crazy. People talk about you. So here's what I want to do to close out the sermon. I need a young man to come up here. He agreed that he would come up here. And I, I'm going to ask him a question. See, I have two bags up here with me. And I, and I asked him this before service. I said, if I could give you a bag, if I could give you a bag, there's something in each bag. It's not a trick question. If I could give you a bag, which bag would you pick? I would pick this bag. That's a good choice. Now watch this. Y'all see he picked this bag. It says Jolly Ranchers, hard candy on the front. I told him, whatever you pick, everything is yours. And now watch this. He picked this bag. What if I took this ball and I opened this bag, and, and, and so I opened it up. It's Jolly Ranchers. It's about a million of them. And I said, well, <clears throat> here's your bag. How would he feel? Would you be okay with that? That's not cool, is it? You know what's good? I'm not, I'm not like that, but now watch this. He picked this bag because what he could see on the outside told him there's something good on the inside, okay? He picked this bag because what he could see on the outside said, I want what's on the inside. I'm gonna let you take that back to your seat. He's gonna be the most popular kid at the playground here in about 10 minutes. But now watch this. Through the nation of Israel and through the church today, God has always said, I want you to cultivate an atmosphere so that what people see in your lives on the outside causes them to want me because I'm on the inside and it's people who have a relationship with you not me him not her they're going to do that let's pray father it is here that we just look at your text in hebrews 13 and we ask and we ask stir within your people the understanding that we need to be moving towards in order to cultivate this kind of atmosphere so that our friends at school and our friends at work and our family down the road and our neighbor up the street would look and see the purpose to which your people are living. And they would say, I see what's happening on the outside. I want what you have on the inside. And we could say, come just as you are. Let us, O Father, Years from now, sit and rejoice with friendships 
marriages, strangers who become acquaintances. Let us look at people and be like, wow. God did that and we're doing it together. We ask this now in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.